Hello and welcome to a new episode. Today, we're going to talk about the life of an international PhD student uh, with my friend, Gabrielle. Uh, hi, Gabrielle. Hi. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself to our guests, to our listeners? Sorry, you're the guest. Yes, thank you. Happy to be here. So my name is Gabriela or Gabrielle Lacroix, and I'm a visiting grad student uh, currently in the history department at Pitt, but normally uh, at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. Yeah, And I'm originally from the Netherlands. You are. So that's why you're very international and you fit our topic for today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what it's like doing a PhD in Denmark? So I think, uh, first of all, a PhD in Denmark is three years. And I think that's quite short compared to some of the other programs. For instance, in the US, obviously, it's a lot longer. I think in the Netherlands and the UK in general, it can also be three or four years. But uh, it's a very tightly packed program. Um We're more so employees than we are students. Like we're employed by the universities, we get as a monthly salary, which is often based on either funding by the university or funding by an external research body. We have to teach uh, up to six months. Uh, we have to take courses up to six months, and then we have two years to to do sort of a writing and research, and then we also have to do a stint abroad for three to six months. <laughs> Which is why you're here. <laughs> Which is why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think for probably a more American audience, this sounds a little bit similar, but there are some differences, and I think we're going to get to them um, with this question, actually. So you've been here at BIT for how long now? Three months? Yeah, three months. Three months. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the major differences between, you know, history or doctoral studies in Denmark and also kind of in Europe, because Denmark is in Europe and you're Dutch, so you would have also that experience maybe, and versus the U.S., um, which, like you said, a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest difference I've noticed since coming here is that I think in Denmark and I think in most European countries in general, when you start your PhD, you usually already know at least in what field or like what type of study you want to be doing yes that might change but um, usually you find someone to work with that works in that field and and that way you start off your research straight away like before I applied I wrote a research proposal based on that proposal I started doing research whereas here I think um, you apply to a university that you want to go to or where you can receive funding and then once you get to that university you start taking classes and usually people have some sort of idea of what they want to do, but it's not as focused as when we start. Mm -hmm. And the first few years you have to do classes and, and, and take all these courses and then I think do an exam as well. Yeah, several and, exams. Yeah, and we don't really have to do that. We take classes, but they're more skill-based and they're like throughout your PhD. Most people try to get them done in the first two years, but you can still do a class for credits in your last year, which is focused on publishing or focused on presenting at conferences or or things like that but I do like the fact that you can take more like I don't know topic-based classes here you mm -hmm. get to read a bit more but then it also really has to fit with your interests and sometimes that doesn't and you know yeah 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 so that is also something that I um recognize even from like studying in France like you definitely go into even a master's like knowing what you're going to be doing knowing 
what advisor you're going to want to work with. Whereas in the US, I think it's more like they kind of assume that even though you're coming to grad school, you it's not that you don't know anything, but you still have to learn. Like you mm -hmm. still have to know a lot of things. And so, yeah, that's why you have all those courses requirements and you have this long time. I think you have two years. In my program, it's about two years that you do have to really decide on a topic. And most of us decide, not last minute, but kind of, yeah, you, you just experience with all the courses and then you, you start to do that. Do you think that's because of the funding? Because in the US, I mean, I dare say, I think it's true. Like there's just a lot of funding for, you know, academia, for higher education in general. I feel like more than in Europe. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like. I mean, to a certain extent, there's also more universities and there's more private people funding universities and also people pay more for universities. Mm. So if the university has more funding, it might also be because they get paid more money. Whereas in Denmark, uh, I mean, universities are never free, but they're free for Danish citizens because it's sponsored by the state. Uh, because Denmark is in the EU, that means it's also free for EU students. Um, outside EU do pay a fee, but it's much, much less than what you would pay in the US. So, I mean, there are at least in my department in Copenhagen, like there's funding from the university, but it's usually sponsored by an outside fund. Yeah. So I think the universities here have more money. Yeah, probably. Definitely, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so what brought you to Pittsburgh? So obviously you said um, as part of your degree um, back in, in Copenhagen, they do require you to spend six months, I guess, a semester. Yeah, three to six months, um, depending on how long you want to go and how long a semester is. For me, I mean, I think at the end it will be like four and a half. Yeah, like it will not be six months. It, yeah. it's, not, it's not six months, because also because the semester is in six months. Yeah. And I had other things to do over the summer so I <laughs> yeah. can be here earlier. But uh, yeah, it is required to do so, at least in my department. I think it does depend a little bit on the department that you're in. In Copenhagen, some um, sort of think it's nice to do, but it's not necessarily required. But mm -hmm. in our department, it is. So people go to different places where they can find uh, a professor to work with uh, who does something in their field. Um, and yeah, it's really up to the sort of person what they do with their what they call a change of research environment. Mm. Uh, for me, it's mostly been been writing and working on my own research, but it can also be a publication with a professor that you know you're working with, or doing a lot of presentations, or uh, taking classes. Yeah, it's really up to us what we do with it. That's that sounds really good. Um, I really like that because, of course, we love traveling and, and going abroad and it's it's a big part of what you do as an academic I feel like so so can you maybe run us through your journey of like how did you get here in Pittsburgh like how was the whole process uh, obviously I know a little bit <laughs> but yeah like how what were the different steps and perhaps I think after I also want to know like for other people do they have different journeys like mm -hmm. how do they find because I know how you found the people who led you here, but how did, do other people do it? Like, you know, can it be different? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. What brought you to Pittsburgh first? So what initially brought me to Pittsburgh is because there's a professor in the history department here that I wanted to work with. And uh, I initially got introduced to her over email by a professor that I worked with back in the Netherlands. Uh, I was on a research project at the International Institute for Social History 
And he actually was a postdoc before in Pittsburgh. Uh, so he spent a few years here and he got to know the professor here. And that's sort of how he got introduced because we are working on sort of similar things. Uh, not exactly the same, but we use similar archives. So it's actually quite beneficial to work with someone that's also sort of looking in the same archives. Um, yeah, so I think that's initially how I decided to come to Pittsburgh. It wasn't <laughs> I, I hadn't really thought about Pittsburgh as a place to go. I think mostly when we start thinking about uh, where would I go abroad, like a lot of people either choose to stay closer to home or they go really far away. So they start mm -hmm. thinking about things like Australia, New Zealand, you know, those kind of places. I initially thought about Canada because I would have loved to go gone to Canada. Um, but I think what really sort of persuaded me to come to Pittsburgh is um, the conversations I had with this professor and um, – And she was very welcoming and, and immediately said yes when asked to host me here and in the department. So I think that was an easy choice to make. Yeah, it was kind of, it was just right there. Like yeah. You didn't have to. Um, we'll talk about Pittsburgh in, in the last question because um, we definitely want to talk about, <laughs> about Pittsburgh <laughs> in general. Uh, but yeah, so like, do you have colleagues or fellow uh, doctoral students who have had different experiences trying to find that place to go abroad and, and do like one yeah, semester? I think the experience very like they're very varied amongst the, the PhD group for quite a lot of people. I think it's about 30. So um, there are quite a few people that have families. So they have to keep that in mind when going abroad. Um, they do make exceptions for for those people. Mm. Um, a lot of Danish students will go to the Nordic countries. So they will go Sweden, Norway, Uh, Finland, I haven't really heard, or Northern Germany is also very popular because it's easy to get to by train. Um, and if it happens that there is someone there that they can work with, that makes sense. And especially when people do Danish history or Danish archaeology, it does make sense to stay near. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard it before. I know one person who went to Australia, um, not because there was necessarily a professor that did the exact same thing she was doing, but I think they were using more similar methods or, or things like that. So in that way, you can still really learn from someone who might study something else, but who might still be relevant for your project. That's the furthest I've heard. And then there was me <laughs> going to the U.S. <laughs> and then I, the U.K. is very popular because there's some great universities and, and a lot of people tend to go there. Um, also, I think language-wise, people tend to stick to countries where they you know, can speak the language. Mm. It's a little easier to fit in, but... I think so far I've been quite lucky in my experience. It's been easy to sort of fit into the department. Uh, you know, they gave me an office. It's been easy to interact with other academics. Whereas what I've heard from other people, especially people that uh, were abroad during COVID, uh, they might not have been able to see the professor that they worked with a lot or integrate into a PhD community. So it can it can really be a bit hit or miss and and... It, it's also really up to the individual, I think, but it's also, you know, you have to get lucky with who you're visiting and what the department is like. Yeah. Um, okay. That I, I have like a follow up question that was not in the script, mm -hmm. but um, do you think there is like a profile of student? Like, you love traveling. I love traveling. Like, obviously, that's that's partly why also I decided to come here. Um, but do you think you kind of like the, the this. 
uh, experience that you would get traveling abroad and studying abroad and, and doing a chapter or something of your research abroad, do you think it, it connects to a specific profile profile of student who also do enjoy traveling and do enjoy getting like you're Dutch and you know you you've studied in U- the UK and you've been you know in in many places and you have friends in many places so you do fit this profile uh, like would that be the dominant profile in Copenhagen in Denmark or w- would people kind of be like oh just you know I have to do it like what's the I mean it really depends on the person I would say I'm not the majority. Yeah. I think, um, and for many good reasons, Danish people love Denmark. Mm-hmm. And especially the ones with families, it's very understandable that they might not want to travel like that far or that for that long. I think that's very understandable. But I think there's also a reason why it's mandatory. Because if it's not mandatory, mandatory people won't do it. And I think it can, it, it's definitely very useful for... Not even just your research, but I think it can be useful for sort of understanding the academic world and seeing, you know, what research is like in a different country, what sort of the the traditions are within, you know, your own field somewhere else. And also just meeting other scholars. You might meet at conferences, but it's different if, you know, you are in their department and you can work with them a bit more. You know, it's more casually. um, You're not just presenting on the project and then leaving again. But I do think that mostly, and people like, I I would say Danish people do love to travel, but they're also very sort of home bound, like they they like their homes. Um, So obviously for me, it's a little bit easier to then go abroad again because I was already abroad in the Mm -hmm. first place. So, and I think the more you do it, the easier it gets, like you get faster in finding your people and uh, sort of making connections and and sort of finding your place within a new place. Mm -hmm. And I think if you haven't done that, I think that can be quite scary. I think it's good for people to do it, but I understand why people might, you know, stay a bit closer to home because the first time I moved abroad, I indeed moved to the UK, which the Netherlands is right next to England. So it's, it's not really that far. I'd been there a lot, so it wasn't as such like a scary experience but I can understand that like if you've maybe not been to a country or you've never lived abroad like that's definitely a, a way bigger thing to do than it was for me yeah yeah that's that's interesting because um yeah I feel like obviously there's a difference between traveling and then living in a place um but yeah I I, I am convinced that there's just some people like I just I I would fit myself into that category of just I yeah if, if you get me if you like an opportunity to live for six months or a year abroad, I will mostly say yes. I mean, depending on the place and everyone has different priorities, but I do feel like it's it's like risk-taking, like you were saying. Some people, are, you know, it, it can be very daunting, obviously, and it is. Like, I very much love doing this, but when I first came here, I was like, oh my gosh, did I, for about a week, I was like, did I just ruin my life? <laughs> yeah, I it's not a little thing, moving <laughs> abroad, I think. I mean, obviously, in me saying, like, oh, I move here and I move there, it's it's still a big step to take. And even though I might be slightly less scared than other people might have been, it's still, you know, getting to know a newer environment and and all these basic level things, like where is the supermarket? <laughs> you know, how does the public transport work? Is this a safe city to walk home at night? Um, you know, figuring out the places that you like to go to. Where do you get your coffee? Where do you go for dinner? All these different things. And it also takes a, a a lot of your time so I think 
to that extent, I also understand why people might want to stick to Europe because it's what it's easier. Yeah. And and even going to, for instance, Sweden, most Danish people will have been to Sweden because it's so close. It's easier. It takes less time. You know, that's understandable. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. Um, also, I was you know you were saying there's there seems to be like a trying to go to places that have a cultural proximity. So mm-hmm. you would say Danish, Danish people, Danish people would go to uh, other Scandinavian countries or northern Germany because, of course, I mean, they would be a little bit closer. Obviously, I'm not, you know, generalizing and saying that they're all the same, but um, they would feel there's more proximity than, I don't know, like Italy or, you know, Spain or France or like some some fur- countries further out. Um, okay, I have I have a question on that topic because living in the U.S. So when I lived in 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 Western Europe, in France, you know, I visited I visited Germany, the U.K., lots of different places, and I always would get very upset when Americans would kind of see Europe as this like one thing, especially Western Europe, and they'd come to like Paris, but it was not just like Paris; they would just they would do London and they would do Berlin, and they would just as if we're all like w- this one country. And I'm like, no, we're so different, and all of that. But I have to say, living in the U.S., I'm like, okay, we are different, but we're also very similar. And I I do see. My point is, when you live in the U.S., I think you do see, or I at least I did. I, I saw more of the similarities between like living, you know, like a French person living in Germany or the UK or whatever, because those little mundane things that we're talking about, like getting coffee, like, you know, the public transport, uh, the, like even like the urban setting. I do feel that it's there are some similarities and overlap in West within Western Europe that when you go to the US, it's like it's it's very it's just very different. Like the walkability, if that's a word, like, you know, how much walking you can do within a city like can you go grocery shopping oh, and yeah, just, for sure. like when you get to the u.s this is like a whole and and it's a different life like you know i can't just like i have to plan my grocery shopping now i just i can't just like snap my finger and be like just just go so yeah my question uh do you feel living a little bit in the u.s and you've been to the u.s before do you feel that now you kind of appreciate more the Europeanness and like the, the oneness of certain places in Western Europe, at least. I mean, I I think I to a certain extent always appreciate it. Like, especially living in the European Union, I think. Yeah. I'm very much pro Europe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people might not be. I think. Um, be careful because your new prime minister might not like. <laughs> I mean, I don't really care about our new prime minister. This might. <laughs> but. Um, no, I think um, I think Europeans, uh, different European countries as individuals, can be very different. I think uh, you can't really say that someone living in the Netherlands leads a very similar life to someone living in Italy. And I think even yeah, the cities might look similar enough in urban planning and and things like that. But I think there are still a lot of differences between them, also culturally. But I think there is something that makes us all European. Um, Whether that is sort of the easy moving between countries Mm -hmm. and the fact that sort of half the Netherlands is in France during the summer and, and, and sort of you're more exposed to different cultures. And I also think we think more about what is happening in the countries sort of besides us Mm -hmm. because we're so close. I mean, I grew up about half an hour from the German border. So it's very normal that we would go to a German supermarket 
or we would go like for a hike in Germany because it was, you know, that that's closer not something to, you think about. Yeah, closer to Dutch bases sometimes. Exactly, yeah. and even like driving from the Netherlands to, for instance, Paris is only a couple of hours. Whereas if you drive from Pittsburgh to Philly, that's probably more hours than it would be from Amsterdam to Paris. So I think because we are closer, we're more connected. Mm. Um, And I think I've seen that in the U.S. that because places are further away, people feel also less connected to each other. Someone living in Pennsylvania might not really have anything in common with someone living in New Mexico. And I think... There is something also that makes Americans American, Mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of differences. I wouldn't say the European Union is the same as the United States in any way. I think um, European countries are still quite different from each other, whereas there's more of an American-ness here. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. No, I I agree. I think the proximity. um, Because I I had a, a friend, a grad student here who is from Canada, and one day he was saying, like, you know... Like, this is kind of north. Like, Pennsylvania isn't New England, but it's northeast. Um, and he was, you know, making this point that there's no reason why, as a Canadian, and I guess he lived around Toronto, I guess, yeah, uh, that he w- would feel closer to someone from Vermont or, you know, like a New England state because it's like the same nature and you know, they have very similar customs and things. So yeah, I do I do see your point about the proximity, geographical proximity. Yeah. of. of and places. I think it also has to do with education. I mean, in schools, and I could only speak from my own experience in the Netherlands, we do, you know, we learn Dutch because that's our first mm-hmm. language, but we I think we take as many English classes as we do Dutch classes and, and we do French, we do German. So I think to the extent that you're also exposed to more of maybe foreign media because you might be able to understand more of it. Uh, I grew up watching a lot of German television, uh, a lot of English-spoken television, and I think that also connects you more to other places. Yeah. Did you say that you grew up learning as much English as Dutch? Yeah, I mean, mostly, like, I mean, when I was growing up, you would start around age, I think, like nine or ten maybe, with English classes in in, um, elementary school. But nowadays they start so much younger. And I mean, I I also watched a lot of Disney films in English just because uh, my mother had those on VCR. Um, So it also, it's dependent on your parents. Um, But I think it's very, it's a very dominant language uh, to the point where people are worried about people speaking enough Dutch. But um, it also makes it for a more outward view on sort of the world. Yeah, I I, I do. I do see that for sure. Um, Okay, let's get to the last. I mean, it's one question, but I think it has like multiple questions within it. Um, We kind of want to depart from, I mean, we have a little bit, we have talked about the culture a little bit, but I just want to know, like, how would you, you know, summarize this experience, this like one semester in Pittsburgh, um, you know, personally, also for your research, uh, but but personally, you know, just living here in this part of the U.S., uh, what have you learned? <laughs> what have you loved? What have you not loved? Uh, so, yeah, like general experience. And we might like I'm sure I have follow up questions and, and go into different fields. OK, I think I'll start by saying I really enjoyed my time in Pittsburgh. Yes. Surprisingly so. <laughs> I think I was a bit hesitant about coming to the U.S. I mean, 
I'd been to the U.S. before on holidays or like traveling through to other places for work, but I'd never properly lived here or stayed here for a longer amount of time. So I was I was for sure a bit hesitant. I mean, you know, there's uh, there's many political things that I might not agree with in the U.S., but um, and, and it's sort of a wait and see how that affects your daily life. And I think to a certain extent, I mean, being in Pittsburgh, which is a pretty liberal city and with a lot of students, I feel like I haven't really met anyone who thinks very different than me. So I think yeah, that's also a lot of been international. Students. It's also been easier to integrate that way. I think um, maybe I'll start saying something about my research. I think it's been it's been a really positive experience. Uh, I think I've gotten a lot of a lot out of it by working uh, with this professor in the department, but also by doing a work in progress in the department where I sent in a part of a chapter and other professors got to comment on that and. I think it's been nice just talking to other people about my research and just seeing what academic life is like here. Also thinking about, you know, my future career and and could I come back here for the U.S. in general, I would say, for a, a postdoc because that's something I would want to do. And, and just learning different academic traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's been really useful. And on a more personal level, I think it's, for me, it's also been really nice to be in a country, again, where I speak the language. I live in Denmark. I do not do not speak Danish. <laughs> I speak a basic level of Danish, but um, it's quite a difficult language to learn. And um, it's been nice to be in an English-speaking environment. Uh, people are quite open and friendly, and also both the Americans that I've met and the internationals that I've met, internationals often I find they're a bit more open because they have also made the move so they understand what it's like to sort of you know be in a new environment and not know that many people yet and I think Americans especially in Pittsburgh are just quite open and friendly and and you know people ask a lot of questions about where you're from and and trying to understand and I feel like that was genuine I didn't feel like people were just asking to be nice so I think in that sense it's been good and I mean I like Pittsburgh as a city it's it's very green. It's very, I would say, for an American city, very accessible. Um, I like going for walks and runs, so it's it's not been that bad. I mean, uh, there are some sidewalks missing in some streets, but I think in general there's a lot of sort of urban planning that's been happening since, you know, Pittsburgh wasn't a sort of an industrial center and, and a lot of trails by the rivers and and, you know, lots of nice parks, and uh, I'm really a park kind of person. Mm. So I think that's been really nice. I was surprised by the hills. I think that was my <laughs> first reaction when when yeah. I drove into Pittsburgh from the airport, mm. all the hills. But uh, I actually quite like the hills. Yeah, it's good for the yeah. legs. Oh, yeah, you definitely live um, on a hill. <laughs> you you were saying it's it's quite, like, it's not a it's a medium one or whatever. It's like a low hill for me. It's like, it's pretty high. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, um, I want to follow up on some things you've said. So mm-hmm. talking about your research um, and the work in progress you've done, did you find that there was um, a difference in the way that this would have been done in Denmark versus uh, here in Pittsburgh? Like do you, I feel like, okay, because to me, American academia does it, it's actually really good like it, the way it gives feedback and the way it um, provides you know help to you know make you develop your ideas and all that I actually feel it's 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 better than what I experience in France uh, where where it's just like it's very critical and it's if you're not doing something that 
professors are doing, they will never care enough to give you actual proper feedback. Whereas here, there's so many people, so many professors who are not necessarily working on what I'm working on or in a very different way. And they will still take the time to read my things, to listen to me and to be like, okay, this is what you can do. So did you did you see a difference in, in this, especially the feedback that you get that you got here at Pitt versus um, in other places? I would say yes and no. I think it really depends. I think you are right in saying that sometimes in Europe, professors and scholars can be so sort of obsessed with their own work that they always look at it from their point of view and they sometimes would like to see more of their own work in your work. Uh, that can happen. I think I've been lucky enough in uh, to the extent that even though I'm on a project, um, an ERC-funded project in Denmark, we have an advisory board with people from France, from the Netherlands, uh, from Sweden. So I think to that extent, we already get sort of different points of views um, and different t type of feedback. And we run a lot of, um, a lot of sort of Also sort of, I guess, work in progress sessions in Denmark where we invite different scholars to come in and to share their work and then we share our work. So I think I've been quite lucky, but I would say as a department, there's no tradition of um, people sharing their work. I think uh, with on a departmental level, uh, the PhDs amongst themselves will share things, um, but I think that's very different. Um, and I think it's for a few reasons. I think it's also because the the topics are so varied in my department in Copenhagen. It's also, it's a department that's not just history, it's archaeology, ethnology, mm -hmm. and classical Greek studies. So uh, having been there, I think I've also realized that sometimes you need people to look at it that come from your own discipline, um, which I'm I'm very much for, you know, interdisciplinary research, But there are just things like that are different uh, in in archaeology, in the way you write, in 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 the way you conduct research than it is in history. So it's been here. It's been really nice to be in a history environment where there are just historians. And I think y you're right in saying that people will show up even if it's not their their you know cup of tea, um, and will still sort of ask those questions. And I think. People are trained to be a bit more critical sometimes, even though I found that Americans, especially students, might struggle a little bit with that. But critical in a way where it's not sort of, it doesn't feel critical. It it's doesn't definitely, put you down. It, exactly. It doesn't make you and feel And I think bad, Europeans yeah. also because, I mean, obviously I'm Dutch and I live in Denmark, people are quite direct. And I think that can really be beneficial, but I think... You have to remind yourself sometimes that people aren't just being critical to be critical. They're there to help you. And I think that Americans are a bit better, or like at least in American academia, because there's also a lot of foreigners in, in this department, uh, are a bit better at sort of bringing it in a way where it feels really useful and it doesn't feel like they're dragging your project down, uh, which I think sometimes Europeans can learn a bit from. But I think both of them can have its, you know, perks and downsides because I think sometimes you just need someone to tell you like I think this doesn't work or I think you should do something differently or have you thought about this because I don't see this in your work um, and I don't know because I don't think I've been here long enough to see whether people actually also 
do that here. I think also maybe for con- contextualization, I work with a Danish professor here mm-hmm. uh, who's been <laughs> who's been in the U.S. quite a while. But I think there's still things you take from where you grew up uh, in the way that you look at things. Yeah. yeah, I think it's maybe also the work culture that is fostered here. Yeah, um, because even as grad students, we are kind of taught to to do this sort of. Um, I would say horizontal feedback uh, giving. Like, you know, I remember uh, when I was still taking seminars, even the first year, we would have this at the end. So before you you do the paper, the final paper presentation, we'd have to literally read, like each of us would be assigned someone else's paper, just the students, the grad students. And we had to come up with feedback. And I'm like, Oh, wow. And it was very hard. And I'm sure the feedback that I gave must have been so horrible because at this point, like it took me a couple of years to actually get used to the American model of academia. But you do get trained. It's in the work culture. You have to care. You have to be a little bit Mm -hmm. of a mentor to your, you know, to your colleagues, to your fellow grad students. So I do feel it's maybe also that like in France, I what I remember from the like the professors it's it's very lonely it's like everyone works kind of on their own thing like I've never you know I mean I'm not saying it's it doesn't exist but I did not experience uh or I did not witness professors getting together to give feedback on like their their you know like unless you're actually working on a project with the professors Mm -hmm. you're just very lonely and I feel like here they do foster that model of like having a community and and caring about everything that is being done in your department and showing up to events and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it it also really depends. I mean, right now in Copenhagen, there's also initiatives doing, we have clusters, so I'm part of a global cluster where different, uh, I think it's mostly historians, will come together and, and, you know, talk about their research. I mean, I do Caribbean history. Most of these people don't, but then it's still nice because you come from sort of, you know, different outlooks on history and things like that. That is a recent thing, though. That they only started these clusters last year. Um, people do work with the, with each other. There are publications, um, but sort of between professors in the department, and I think they do here as well. But I think it also it so depends where you are at mm-hmm. what university, because um, you'll you'll often see like clusters of sort of non formal clusters of sort of people doing similar things. Like, I think here at the History Department at Pitt, it's a, there's the World History Center, but there's also a lot of Latin American studies, sort of more colonial, maritime, and that's a big thing. And then there's a few other things. Um, whereas I feel like in Denmark, yeah, there are a lot of people doing Danish history for obvious reasons. But then, for instance, the only professor that does Caribbean history is is my advisor. So I think to that extent, it might you know, get a little lonely, even though she still works with a lot of different people. But um, yeah, it's you're so dependent on sort of in Europe, definitely on the on the environment and the yeah and the place. Yeah, and kind of the the identity of the department and identity meaning the fields that are being studied. Also, yeah, yeah, for sure. And also whether a department feels feels like one, because I think because we're we're sort of a mixed uh department not just history it sometimes is hard to f- to feel as one department because mm. there's so many different things that people are working on and it's a lot of different people too i think i think it's somewhere between 
like 100, 150 people that work there. So it's, you know, and, and we're also s- spread, um, or offices are spread about like three different floors. So you don't actually tend to see people a lot. Whereas here, obviously, it's a much smaller department. You also don't see everyone. But because it's, you know, people feel slightly more connected to each other, mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough about American work culture or academic culture. Uh, let's conclude on broader American culture. So what, if you had to say, okay, maybe like a top three of the best things about the Pittsburgh culture, the <laughs> PA, uh, Pennsylvania culture, uh, what are the number, the, the top three? Ooh, that's a hard question. Yeah, and I did not even ask you before. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one of the, like, I don't know if I can give it top three, yeah. but I think one of the things that's definitely up there is like, there's definitely a culture of people doing outdoors things, mm-hmm. like going hiking or even just a walk in the park or uh, lots of people will love to go cycling. I was very surprised that people cycle here. Oh, yeah, the um, cycle scene here is insane, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that was really nice. Um, I mean, I haven't been on many hikes, but I've been on a few, and I think that was sort of a nice experience. So that's definitely up there, and and the, the fact that people also like do a lot of outdoor things, uh, also running and, and things like that. Um, yeah, top three. Um, <laughs> I mean, I went to a few sports games. I actually quite, <laughs> I actually quite some. I think a lot of, I think a lot of foreigners might not actually get into the sports atmosphere, but I actually quite enjoyed sort of seeing that and also sort of learning about you know American sports culture and I might not understand all the sports but I think it's not necessary you know (laughs) you can enjoy you can definitely see like it brings people together and I think that's really nice and um even just like friends will go see a game just on tv like on a Sunday or you know you might get tickets and, and and randomly start chatting to people that are sitting next to you or you know I think that's that's really nice because it's it's such sort of a a random thing almost that bonds people so much. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been nice. Um, I don't know what the third thing would be. <laughs> you don't You don't need one. I, was I mean, like the people. Two. I like the people in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Even the, the locals seem quite nice. And I went to the Heinz History Center. I think learned a lot about Pittsburgh and about, you know, the, the way people will speak uh, and yeah. yinzers and, <laughs> and, and all these things. And I think, yeah, it's quite nice yeah Pittsburgh's amazing um I definitely agree with what you said earlier about being uh pleasantly surprised uh, you know it's 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 so in- it's much more international mm-hmm. than people would think like I literally did not think you know that I would meet I mean most of my friends are internationals um and so you walk in the street and it's not like you know that you're going to be understood you know that like there's just this vibe in Pittsburgh that the community I think it creates it's it's a community of people from different places, but there's a Pittsburgh unity mm-hmm. within it. So, yeah, Pittsburgh's right. Um, what's the? I, I don't want to end on like a negative. <laughs> uh, I should have asked a negative first. <laughs> Do we want to talk about one? I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like everyone's been asking me this since I got here. Uh, what do you like and what do you not like mm-hmm. about being in the U.S.? And I've uh, I've always given the same answer and I will still give the same <laughs> answer. It's the food. And I think Pittsburgh has some great food. I love pierogies yeah. and like things like that. And there is, but you have to look for it. And mm. I think um, also, yeah, the supermarket food is just very mm. different. Uh, I think produce-wise, 
Um, I think the U.S. can learn a lot from Europe. Mm. Um, other than that, there's also, I mean, there are different kinds of food. It's more, I think there's more convenience foods too um, here, which can be nice, especially if you're really busy, especially as a grad student. But then I think it's much, much easier to eat healthier food, especially in Denmark and the Netherlands. Yeah, you can also eat, you know, junk food, whatever. But it's less accessible, I think, in uh, Denmark for sure. And it's also really expensive, whereas buying healthy food is, you know, pretty cheap and cheap for Denmark. But (laughs) (laughs) and so I think the food is definitely and I've thought about this. Like if I were to, you know, do a postdoc in the U.S., I would want to live near a Trader Joe's or like (laughs) near Whole Foods. But I think um yeah, yeah. Also, you also have to be more careful because there's just, you know, different things being used in food production. I mean, I love a good food production documentary. So no, <laughs> I think, don't watch them because then I, you can't eat you can't No, eat I know, exactly. <laughs> but I think, yeah, so in general, I've given that as an answer, which I think by far is not really a bad thing. I think I haven't really experienced anything that you would generally consider bad about the U.S. Obviously, like, the politics and, and, and gun culture, and I've been lucky to... I mean, yeah, I saw, we haven't experienced... I like, saw one gun, but that was about it. <gasps> but... Um, you saw one gun. Luckily, I think Pittsburgh is a very safe city to yeah. that extent, yeah. and um, so you're not really... You don't really have to deal with those kind of things. I mean, you have to be maybe a bit more careful, but, I mean, Copenhagen is one of the safest cities in the world, mm. so it's also hard to compare. I mean... Yeah. Um. Yeah, but yeah, the food. I mean, also I've had some great food here too. But it, yeah, it definitely depends on where you go. And in general, I'd say. I think it's very. It's a very fair assessment because, especially the French people that I've um, interviewed in the past on this podcast have also the one thing that they didn't like was also the grocery shopping and the mm-hmm. food. Where yeah, you you like you're trying to get you know fresh produce and it's so 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 expensive. And the junk is not. Um, so the junk food is not. So, yeah, I think it's a fair assessment um, to make. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not cult- like it's not a cultural. I don't know if it's a cultural issue. But to end on a positive note about the food, I do think, yes, the grocery shopping is not the best. But the restaurant, I feel like the diversity of restaurant that you get and the diversity of food is one. I mean, I'm not going to say one of the best in the U.S. That's quite a, a crazy statement. But. <laughs> it is really good. Uh, I'm. I have lots of restaurants that I love here mm-hmm. that are not the best, but they're good. Um, and yeah, affordable. for quite a small city, I think they do have sort of a, a large variety of different types of restaurants. And I mean, I had some great ramen on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think if you were to look at sort of towns or cities of this size in Europe, you wouldn't always get that you know, variety in food. But I think that's also because there's so many universities and there's so many international students. And I mean, a city also caters for that, I think. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I think we've said it all, have we? I think so. Do you want to add something? Do you want to say something you haven't had the chance to say? No, I think I've said it all. I think we're good. I really like that talk. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. Thank you, Zoe. And thank you for listening. Uh, And I'll see you in the next episode. So bye.